This is Anne Magnuson, Admiral Clancy on Star Trek Picard. And you've got the sheer fucking hubris to listen to the greatest discovery. Captain! Captain! Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a Star Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Boy. <laughs> We're already too fucked up to do this, and we haven't even started drinking, Adam. <laughs> yeah, neither of us feeling great, uh, but but we're going to rally. It's what we do. It's uh, it's an episode that I consider to be a grave injustice. Oh? Yeah. The, uh, the bet we made. Yeah. Let's recap the bet for our viewing audience. I bet that Picard was going into the golem... At the mm-hmm. end of season one, you bet that Picard was going to die and that it would be the end of Star Trek Picard at season one. <laughs> I got my bet half right and you got yours 100% right. I took it perfectly over the plate. And yet, somehow, we are going to both do this power hour. We're both doing the punishment of losing the bet. You're faking umbrage, Ben. <laughs> I can hear it. And I can see it because I'm looking at you during. We're we're doing this over FaceTime. I had a great amount of umbrage today when I went to get beer because the place close to my house that has beer, you have to wait in line for a long time. And I I waited in line behind like five people and the 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 person directly in front of me when she finally got up to the window placed like a totally insane order of like three or four hundred dollars worth of shit at this like neighborhood wine and beer store <laughs> like oh so you were at gelson's i was at uh i was at a little local wine store ah. she bought she bought two cases of wine bread several uh like they, they have like face masks and rolls of toilet paper at this place right now because whoa because of the craziness there were face masks for sale there yeah yeah they uh wow they've gone from like wine store that has a little like deli counter where you can get like a sandwich or a charcuterie plate to mm-hmm. a to a, a place you can get a melee weapon and a it, gas mask and yeah yeah they've sort of embraced their role as the general store in a town you might visit in fallout chrome spray paint yeah yeah you sell all the materials you've been gathering and the bottle caps from uh, the right. wasteland, and uh, and you can exchange it for <laughs> a baseball bat with a nail through one end of it, and uh, some skin contact wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty bleak. You're gonna knock him dead at the veterans hall tonight, hun. I uh, I rewatched the entire ten episode season of Star Trek Picard in. Less than 24 hours. I started... The way it was meant to be seen. I, I started yesterday afternoon. Uh-huh. I watched I watched between the hours of about 2.30 and midnight, I watched five episodes yesterday and also uh, cooked, uh, served, and participated in a Passover Seder. <laughs> you know, people on the internet keep saying that this is this is the time for free time. When does that start? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
it is a it's a weird feeling to be like fuck i have 10 hours of tv to watch when am i gonna do (laughs) yeah my my wife has set up her office in the kitchen Uh uh-huh uh great place to set up an office by the way yeah and uh and I went to go grab my six Rainier beers to to bring into my office, uh, just on my way to work. <laughs> <laughs> Off to the coal mines, hun. Yeah. Uh, I saw that you had a Rainier beer. That that piqued my curiosity because I've never seen those for sale outside of the Seattle-Tacoma area. That's because they were in my car when I drove down from Seattle. Wow. I, like we we ended up throwing one last party in Seattle and then encouraging those that attended to to drink as much of what we had as as they could. <laughs> it was a real shit show. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, with the understanding that I would have far less to drive down because we didn't want to dump it out or anything. So uh, part of what I was able to bring was local Seattle beer, one of my favorite local Seattle beers, uh, and always will be, is going to be the Rainier beer. So, yeah, that's a great a nice, beer. Nice crushable beer for the power hour today. I visited uh, Sub Pop Records one time in uh, my capacity as the videographer for Engadget.com, and they had a 25 cent per can Rainier uh, uh, dispenser in... Uh, in one of their back rooms and I was so delighted by the novelty of it that I bought and drank one at like 2 p.m. while we were shooting (laughs) and everybody that was there with me was like kind of horrified that I did that but I was like when am I ever going to be able to buy a beer for a quarter I'm not going to pass this up (laughs) that's tremendous value (laughs) tremendous that's 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 cheaper than cost that's just that fun startup sensibility of a foosball table and a beer vending machine in the break room. That's yeah. just that's just living that that 2004 lifestyle right there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, YouTube. Yeah, and this was like 2012 or 2013. So, jeez, they, they clearly had never had an incident at the yeah. workplace. You know, you know how record companies have no problems. W slash R slash T cash flow these days. There's never been an issue with quarter beer night at any event. (laughs) (laughs) No one's ever lived to regret that promotion. No, no, no. It's it's just a good idea all around. Yeah. Well, Adam, uh, we've got a, a big season to talk about. And I saw that you put up a tweet soliciting uh, questions for us to field as we talk about it. Yeah, I figured whenever we uh, we reached a natural conclusion to a part of a conversation between us, uh, I thought I would just go into those and uh, and see if they encourage some more. All right. Well, do you want to uh, crack into this? Get our- Also, it was a huge mistake to solicit that <laughs> kind of thing. It's a, it's a mile long thread here. I think this also might be our first problem drinking formatted episode of Greatest Discovery, right? That's right. Uh, viewers of The Greatest Generation know this format extremely well. Uh, the Power Hour episode is... Uh, Unfortunately. W- nobody likes this. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, we. Uh, so the, the way a Power Hour works, if you are unfamiliar, is you... Uh, you drink a a shot of beer every minute for sixty minutes, and uh, I think it works out to about five and a half beers that you 
wind up drinking over the course of an hour. Uh, you're drinking, of course, those Rainier Crushables. Uh, I am drinking a uh, a Mexican style lager uh, from a maker called Calidad Beer. Hmm. I think it's a. I think it's made in California. It's the Smiling Sun Brewing Company of Santa Barbara that makes this particular quaff. And you've never had it before. No, this is uh, this is my first time. <laughs> That's great decision making. <laughs> Listen, man, they're slim pickings. It was this or like tall boys of stuff that looked really intense. Okay? Yeah, I mean, the impulse decision part of the of the market was like a baseball bat with a nail through it and then a, <laughs> a sixer of one of these. Yeah, yeah. I think you made the right choice. And I paid for some uh, some crafting recipes. Right, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Uh, well, here's the thing. Because we prize production quality above all else, <laughs> we will not be doing like any sort of buzzer or sound effect for when the minutes are up. Uh, we're, we're going on the honor system, you and I. Yes. And, and because we're looking at each other during, I think we'll be able to hold each other to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we edit the show or we don't edit the show. Rob's edits the show. But, uh, but things get edited out. So if... Uh, if you're following along at home, you're not going to be able to follow along precisely with us uh, just because of how how things get cut. So sorry about that, but we just want this to be fun to listen to whether or not you're drinking. Yeah. Sorry. We just want it to be fun to listen to. Jeez. <laughs> do you want to get into this thing, Adam? Yeah, I, I sure do. All right, gentlemen, start your engines. Cheers to you. Uh, I'm enjoying my beer out of my uh, out of my coolster. Oh yeah, your can. Yeti Uxbridge Shimoda uh, can koozie. Our super limited edition uh, can koozie, festooned with our tour stickers. This is a <laughs> piece of technology we picked up from the great Chuck Bryant. Yeah. Um, all right, man. So. First impressions about binging the season. Did it improve the season overall for you or did it uh, did it show its cracks? How did you feel? I'll say a little bit of both. I thought the season on the whole was better than taking it bite by bite, but the last two episodes felt like an even more pronounced drop-off uh, hmm. taking it all uh, wow. as quickly as I did. Interesting. Uh, oh, time for our second shot. Oh, you're actually pouring it into shot glasses. How else am I going to keep track? You're a pro. <laughs> well, well, it's because it's because through a lot of experimentation, I know exactly how many ounces of fluid my mouth can hold. <laughs> um. And after being on tour with you so long, I know exactly how many ounces yours can hold. <laughs> you know exactly how many ounces of fluid I can produce. <laughs> <laughs> You know, those, uh, those long nights on the road, sometimes you get a little lonely. Yeah. I felt less bad about the last two episodes oh. uh, on my binge watch. And do you think I'm wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I feel like the compression of of time made... I don't know. And, and I think we had a hard time describing this as we were going through episode by episode, but... It felt like it was a handoff that felt more pronounced than, for instance, the first three episodes being handed from Hanelli Culpepper to Jonathan Frakes. Right. Like like that felt like a almost seamless transition 
Right. But but I think story really took a turn there also in a way that I think maybe revealed that transition in a way that that you know b- between episode 3 and 4 things are so, are happening so gradually that yeah. it's not really an apples to apples comparison. One thing that they said at the premiere was that the season is sort of broken up into chapters conceptually. Yeah which are not demarcated at all in terms of how it's presented. It's presented as episodes, but they said that the first three episodes are chapter one. Where mm-hmm. would you put the lines between the other chapters? Well, all right. Uh, I think clearly the last two episodes are its own chapter. The first yeah. three are its own chapter, and then I guess that would leave the middle five. I think... Uh, Absolute Candor and Stardust City Rag episodes four and five feel like a distinct chapter and episodes six and seven, Impossible Box and Nepenthe feel like a distinct chapter. Maybe maybe six, seven, and eight are, are a chapter. Yeah. Just thinking about Nepenthe again gave me the good chills. Yeah, that's definitely the highlight of the season, I think. Hello, Will. Oh, oh man. On paper, you've got to believe that there was some resistance to, like, we've got the one episode where we bring back Riker and Troy. Mm -hmm. There had to be, like, just before they even started in, is this something we really want to do? Like, is this a nostalgia we want to feed? (laughs) And it's incredible that for whatever perceived resistance there had to have been to this very idea, because I... There just had to have been right that that it was such a blockbuster episode that it was the highlight for both of us, and it wasn't for the nostalgia. It's just a great episode. Yeah, uh, I remember Jonathan Frakes on stage at the Star Trek convention was saying that he was going to be in another episode of the show. He'd shot some and was going back to shoot a little bit more, and I, I think that must have been the final episode where he shows up with the cavalry. Yeah. Hold on, taking a shot. And he described being really nervous for what he had to shoot coming up, wondering if he could get back into that that swagger. And it uh, it strikes me like chilling at home with the wife and kid Riker is a very different character from- From Hall Pass Riker. <laughs> yeah, doing the captain's lean in the captain's chair, uh, Riker. It's funny to think like that's a math he was like figuring out in his head as he prepared for that moment. You know what the binge watch revealed was how much we were made to ignore the squishy timeline of Will Riker the same day as receiving the SOS from Picard, like gets up out of bed, shaves. <laughs> because like you notice his beard is totally clean clean trimmed. Yeah. He gets a haircut, puts on his <laughs> uniform, and then goes down to this to the ship station that he and Troy were referring to that's like miles down the road, hails a cab, <laughs> goes to the nearest starbase, is given the flagship of the fleet, and then takes that fleet to the Vite system. That's a big day, Will Riker. Admiral Clancy refers to a squadron that's going to meet them at uh, Deep Space 12 or whatever. Right. Is that what the cavalry is? Is that what the 
two hundred Starfleet ships was? Is that a squadron? Guess so. That's what we are led to believe. I thought for I'm sure. I'm into beer number two for those keeping track at home. Good job by you. Uh, I'm, I'm doing it correctly, Adam. <laughs> I'm going to catch myself up briefly. I've been talking too much. That's my problem. I've been talking through the clock. You're a little chatterbox. That's your problem. I'm attempting to fill a silent moment with non-relevant conversation. The thing that struck me about the last two episodes was that the passage of time is very confusing and hard to get your head around. Are they there for a couple of weeks, a couple of days, several yeah. hours? Like, which is it? A friend of the podcast, John Adams, asks a question about one of the things that happens in these episodes. It's John Adams of the hilarious comic Chief O'Brien at Work. Uh, the same. And of the, uh, and of the second tour poster we ever did. He's great. He asks, can you talk about how a robot died by getting stabbed in the eye? <laughs> there is some, some suspension of disbelief there, right? Well, I think that they're they're flesh and blood, though, right? Like, the point is that they're indistinguishable. If I stabbed you in the eye, you'd live? If you stabbed me in the eye and it went through my eye socket and into my brain... I don't think many people would would be able to tell the difference. Listen, I love John Adams... But I took a look at this bird brooch that that was the murder weapon. Pretty long snout on that on that thing. The the thing is long. It's long enough that it would definitely interact with with brain tissue if you had it at the right angle. And I believe uh, evil Soji had it ang angled correctly. Yeah, and who would know best how to kill another synthetic than than evil Soji, right? Right. What was her name? Oh wait, was that Sutra? God damn it. Who fucking cares? <laughs> gold Soji. Soji yeah. Gold Edition. Right. The Soji that you can only get in Canada. <laughs> that's uh, that's Labatt's Gold, right? <laughs> I love Labatt's Gold. I'll believe it when I meet it, Adam, like your Canadian girlfriend. I'm finishing up my first beer and beginning my first brode. <laughs> oh, man. I expended all remaining Broad ordinance on our last uh, our last big social gathering. Oh no, Ben! You gotta uh, you gotta wait for the next Bogo from them, right? I do. I honestly think we have four hundred Broad in the house right now. Did you guys just grab the the rest of them from that table at that party? Nope. Wow! What are you doing with with that many Broads? The last time they did a buy one, get one on the Broad site, uh, <laughs> both my wife and I went to the max on the on the purchase. You independently purchased Broads? Yeah. We independently purchased our, our two-pack max. I would be shocked if my wife ever bought Broads. You know what? She gets all the benefit of Broad, but none of the uh, effort, huh? You know what she does? She looks at the price of Broads and she just decides, well, I just won't ever drink. Your replicator menus are tragic. <laughs> I, uh, I think your wife is great and smart, but that's fucking stupid. <laughs> How fucking dare you? I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, so that was one of the things that, like, in the rewatch, you get that compression of time. Yeah. And like that's those are some of the wrinkles that that begin to appear when mm -hmm. you watch every episode back to back to back. The the timeline 
begins to make a little less sense. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot that I think works better. Like like all of the breadcrumbs they drop for character development. I really enjoyed that stuff. Yeah. I really liked not just for character development, but for like thematic development, like the whole... Um, the season is a is a big meditation on death and what it means to to live with the knowledge of it. Like Rios is always reading that book about it and stuff. I felt like I got a lot more out of the season knowing that that was its thematic thrust. Like watching it a second yeah. time, like spotting all of the all of the ways it it you know wraps itself around that idea. I feel a little manipulated by storytelling that works like this. Because while at the, on the one hand, like it's nice to feel that moment where, oh, that's why Rios is the way he is. And, and we learn exactly how his captain died and how it works within the greater narrative <laughs> of the thing. Like it takes six episodes to get there. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think the question that I ask myself is like, how much did they know in advance writing it? Did they know that? that was what was haunting him when they wrote episode three, or did they figure that out when they wrote episode six? Man, I don't like that question only because I want my favorite creators to have as much time as they need to feel like they they can get it right and do absolutely the best job that they can. Yeah, but like there's only one Damon Lindelof, right? Like not every writer's room has the luxury of throwing out six months of work and starting from scratch. But if you are in, in a CBS All Access show, you shouldn't be working under the same creative constraints as a greatest generation, which has a deadline of every week. Like, <laughs> like you should be able to change your deadline, right? No, that's true. This isn't to say that they didn't get it right, but but boy, to imagine that the intellectual collateral brought to bear on a project like this may have been writing on set, which we know that they were doing. Yeah. Is is crazy to me. That's true, but there's I mean like some of the best films and television ever made were like that. I mean like a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm is written on set. Yeah. So I don't want to like pathologize that. I I'm just saying like I, I appreciated like seeing like the Troy Riker family deal with the issue of death as as something that has recently happened to them mm -hmm. De like Rios dealing with death is something that that he's like built his life around avoiding the topic and yet he's like perversely obsessed with the topic like every character is kind of dealing with it in a way and then and it made that that scene in the in the quantum matrix at the end between Picard and Data, like that much more impactful for me, like having lived with those threads a second time through. I believe the phrase is an acquired taste. Mm -hmm. I did really like that moment more knowing that it was coming, like not being in, in study mode and instead like being in a, in a state of, of consuming it emotionally yeah. I think it's hard for us a lot of times to watch these shows knowing we're going to have to do a show about them later because it's very analytical right. the first few times we go through. And I think the rewatch was a lot more pleasant this time around because I because I could just consume and 
and note when things were affecting me. Yeah, I think that's so true. The intensive watching that we have subjected ourselves to is, I feel like, making me miss shit, too. Like, yeah. I don't think I totally got that the the Borg cube, the, the artifact, was broken by accidentally assimilating the knowledge that Ramda had from being on the, you know, you know, being exposed to the admonition. Part of it is that, the, the, like, it, the order of how that's revealed is a little bit weird, but I also just think I was, like, a little too focused on trying to pick up everything to, like, let the story wash over me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely got that part, Ben. Well, you're a much more intelligent and insightful person than I am. What happened to Ramda? <laughs> yeah, what happened to her? That's one of the questions I have. Last time we saw her, she was in a Borg hospital room. Yeah. On the artifact. Maybe she died in the crash. She's a character I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of at the end. Uh, CNC Clancy is also a character I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of. Like... She, her chief of security was a secret agent, half Romulan, and I would love to see the political fallout of that having been the case for a commander in chief. I'm into the third beer, by the way. You're going much faster than me. I'm drinking one shot per minute, Adam. That's, that's the deal. I'm catching up again. <laughs> who are the skunks from Bugs Bunny? I feel like you're the you're the lady skunk who's who's tearing ass away from me. In, you're Pepe Le Pew, and I'm Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> yeah, Pepe Le Pew, also known as quote the skunk from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Everyone would know who I mean by that reference. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we are one third of the way through this. Speaking of that fraction, Ben, uh, Laris and Jaban, only in three episodes of this show. Yeah. A tragic underuse of, of their great talents, I thought. But then at the same time, where would you put them? Yeah. They go, they go away and they don't come back along with number one. Like number one is in the poster for the show. Yeah. They sold the show to people based on number one. This is going to be a show about Picard teaming up with a dog. Right. And looking out over a vineyard. They took Laris Jaban and number one uh, to a farm upstate. <laughs> We're told they're okay. Yeah, they're loving life. They're running around a lot, sitting out in the sun. Yeah. I would love to see them back in season two. Maybe a little skeeved out by Golem Picard. Here's a question. Is life better or worse for Romulans that have been relocated uh, after the events of Picard season one, given what the Romulans did? <laughs> you could argue that things are worse for Laris and Jaban now. Yeah, like they're in more danger. Yeah, because definitely the Romulans meddled in Starfleet business. Yeah. De they definitely caused the massacre on Mars. They definitely did. I wonder about the explosion of the Romulan sun, because uh, in the novel we both listened to on tape, um, there's a lot of suspicion around what 
really went down with the with the Romulan sun? Did it go supernova naturally or Right. Was this a supernova by cop situation that the Romulans did? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it doesn't seem to have like totally diminished the Romulan ability to project military power, right? Because they show up with 218 ships. They still got an armada. What do you do with all that firepower now? I don't know. Aim it at the Klingons, who they consider to be wastes of flesh. I feel like Commodore O was set up to become an end boss that she never was. Yeah. There's a character in TNG that she really reminds me of, which is that Vulcan lady that they are, you know, taking on some mission somewhere who's like totally obsessed with what Data's security protocols are. Right. And then they they deliver her and she turns out to have been a Romulan spy the entire time. Oh, I remember her. She's the one with the tall hat. She has major Commodore O vibes to me. Oh, yeah, baby. What is that, beer number three or four for you? It's three. Are you on five or something? I'm in the middle of three, yeah. <clears throat> I right. think we're on... I'm, I'm getting we're, there. We're on relatively the same pace. But yeah, um, the mustache twirliness of the villains in this series has been a little bit extreme. Hey, here's a question. Is a is a viable alt for Commodore O that she doesn't go with the Armada, that she remains in Starfleet embedded, and whenever we cut to the Armada, it's just the exterior of the ships approaching, and it's some, like, I don't even know who it would be in command of their flagship, but wouldn't it be better if O remained remained under deep cover. Yeah, I don't know. I think that personifying the head of the fleet is good, but- It could have been Rizzo, though. Yeah, it could have been Rizzo. I still wonder about those two, Narek and Narissa. Yeah. All the uh, all the weird touchiness between them. Are we sure that Rizzo's dead? She has a way of beaming herself out of- troublesome situations you know she could have beamed during the cliff dive yeah and i mean we've seen in sci-fi franchises the bad guy go down a deep hole and then still be alive somehow she could have fallen in that borg river that runs through every ship the dead speak (laughs) you think that's going to be the beginning of the next season (laughs) mysterious broadcasts from narissa rizzo Nerissa swam through five miles of Borg sludge and came out clean on the other side. <laughs> it's just Narek walking down a beautiful white sand beach <laughs> yeah. and finding Nerissa working on an old dinghy. I was happy to see my sister again. <laughs> yeah, that's another question. I mean, uh, Narek still alive, not killed on screen. Yeah. He's he's out there. Living his life. He's out there uh, chasing the La Serena in his snakehead ship with a giant boombox outside, like <laughs> trying to get her back. <laughs> I still love you, Soji. <laughs> All right, Adam, I'm going to do a little segment I like to call my favorite two autocorrects of 
character things from <laughs> Star Trek colon Picard. Wow. This is a brand new segment. Yeah. Uh, you you haven't told me about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I'm I'm sp- very excited. I'm springing this on you. Um, All right. The, uh, this gives me time to drink. I wasn't taking paper notes for the rewatch because of our next episode of The Greatest Discovery, which we have not revealed the topic of yet. But I I wanted I wanted to keep notes on my phone because I wanted them to be, you know, organizable in the way of a digital text right. file. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was taking I was taking notes on this season in a big text document that uh, that had a lot of funny autocorrects, but my favorite two are uh, that uh, I I was writing something about um, about Ramda and it autocorrected to Rwanda. Hmm, <laughs> that checks out. And I wrote something about. Elnor and it autocorrected to Eleanor. Thanks, Apple. Here's the thing I wrote about Elnor was uh, what happened between episodes six and seven because, uh, oh, and we are at the official halfway point of our power hour, by the way. Um, Cheers to you. Yeah, and also to you. I have not had this much beer so fast in a long time. I, I all but stopped drinking beer. Yeah, beer is kind of off the menu, boys, for me. Too bubbly, too slow. Beer is for breakfast around here. Drink or be gone. <laughs> if I really want to get into a good drunk, uh, this is not going to do it for me. Yeah. I Man, honestly, like my tolerance has changed in a, a, a very strange way. I'll have like a, a glass of rum... Like a like a pint glass, no, like a rum rocks, like a like two fingers of rum in a rocks glass as a is a nightcap for me, and sometimes I'll I'll have a second, and the other night I I had I had my second poured and I uh, was dicking around on my phone for fifteen minutes and when I looked up at that second glass I was like. I am fucking shithouse drunk right now. And if I have a second entire drink, I will be like, I will wake up tomorrow with a hangover and I, and I just left it on the coffee table. And then I guess my wife woke up the next morning and threw it away. Like I was like, I'll just drink this tomorrow. And I left it there. Now you can stick that in the fridge. I'm a thrifty man. I will drink a drink. I didn't finish tomorrow. Yeah, I will too. I mean, the uh, the fear of a tomorrow hangover is is so present it's, in my mind. It's devastating, right? I'll I'll do almost anything to avoid a headache. I honestly like haven't stopped thinking about the you know two and a half ounces of rum that my wife threw away at some point. <laughs> like she is totally willing to order a glass of wine at a restaurant and drink like two thirds of it and then be like, "All right, you ready to go." And and just like walk away, like like a thing that routinely happens in the universe where we go out to restaurants is that we finish our meal, she's done, I'm done, and then as we're leaving the table, I take her glass of whatever she was drinking and finish it really quickly before we head home. 
Look, I I really like your wife, and she's a dear friend, but she's <laughs> she's also a fucking crazy person. <laughs> I don't understand that. It's a form of madness that I just can't wrap my head around. It's a glass of wine. Yeah, it's well, a glass of wine. Maybe she's saving room, Ben. Maybe I don't know. She knows how many ounces I can produce. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was afraid that would be too subtle. Not with you. <laughs> I will I will nail that joke. Um, I don't know where babies come from. I think one of the best segments on our hit podcast, Friendly Fire, yeah. is the moment of pedantry. Okay. And I found a big moment of pedantry here in the first season of Star Trek Picard. Would you like to hear what it is? Or as you call it, the only season of Star Trek Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Until they make a second season, I'm right. <laughs> you know, every, like everything that was part of the plan for the future, yeah, is is it's torn up up in the air as of one month ago. So yeah. you're right. You're you're totally right. All right, here goes. So they come up with the soccer ball plan, right? It's uh, it's Narek and Rios and and crew they're going to they're going to fill a soccer ball with bombs right and they're going to go in and destroy the 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 tower that's yeah. that's that's calling the Howard the Duck aliens in did you did you notice the soccer ball that the synths play with by the way did i notice it mhm i mean i noticed that they were playing with a soccer ball is there something uh, unique about it what is unique about it is that it is a an armature it's like it's like oh right it, it's like a wireframe soccer ball that... yeah it's like a desk toy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it collapses down to a fraction of of the size of a soccer ball so at the same time as this plan is going down over at the compound picard flies the la serena into orbit why did no one think of using the La Serena as a platform for shooting the tower and destroying the beacon with the ship? Fuck. Wow. This is something I only noticed during during this most recent re- rewatch. Yeah. Instead, Picard hits the turn signal and goes into orbit with it, but you think Rios couldn't have destroyed the beacon easily? With that thing, he he brags about having torpedoes to shoot Narek with as he's outside the window. I think that there may be an explanation to do with uh, protective fields surrounding mm. the compound. Protective fields uh, may prevent a torpedo from penetrating, but not a soccer ball. That was the issue. They had to get inside the compound. All right. Well, that may be true. But here's my second moment of pedantry. I have spilled just an unimaginable <laughs> amount of beer on my desk at this point. <laughs> hey, tilt tilt your camera down. I want to see. Oh, I I can't tilt my do camera it? down. I'll oh, I'll you... I'll Jackie and Laura you a picture of this <laughs> madness. I'm also on my. Uh, I'm so sorry, Ben. On my fourth beer, just in case you're keeping track of how much you're supposed to have drunk at this point. I'm I'm still just gabbing. Second moment of pedantry, that Men in Black wand that that AI Sung uses on, on Gold Soji. I make this shit look good. Why doesn't he use that on Soji Soji? He's got a thing that turns off synths. Mm. If what he wants to do is, is turn off the construction of the beacon, why doesn't he just walk up to her and, and give her the men in black? 
Okay, I have a potential explanation for this, but it does undercut my previous thing about the death of the the one that gets Oh no, Ben, this is a terrible picture. The one that gets the the uh the brooch in the eye. Uh-huh. Maybe the gold-skinned ones are still soon type uh beep and boop androids. Right. And the, the kind more... you have to stick a hand in to turn off. Right. And then the and then the like subsequent more human-looking ones are the ones that uh oh boy i i think i may have lost track i i'm i'm taking a shot prophylactically to make sure i didn't miss one but maybe it shouldn't be so simple um your shot glass also looks like a giant glass it's a giant glass it's it's uh it, it's a promotional glass for a type of amaro that my wife enjoys drinking that your wife enjoys drinking like exactly two thirds of. Well, it's like it's one of those European joints where there's a, a two centiliter and a four centiliter measure uh, on the side of the glass. You know, like when you go to Europe, you like every every glass you're served in a in a drinking establishment has a. No one's going to Europe again, Ben. <laughs> oh yeah, Europe is Europe is over. It's done. Fucking done. My trip to Poland canceled. Oh no! It's all nothing good is ever going to happen again. <laughs> That's a positive outlook. Uh, <laughs> um, For those of you still with us, this is the <laughs> Star Trek Picard season one rewatch episode. <laughs> ben and I are are about to finish beer four. Yeah. Very quickly. We're just flailing panicking do you want to throw a question at us what's what did the people on twitter ask all right here's a prompt that i wanted to talk to you about uh someone on twitter noticed we're at the two-thirds mark this is the 40 minute mark of our power hour someone on twitter noticed that the only picture that jean-luc picard had displayed in his vineyard office was a picture of he and samuel clemens it's a hell of a combination is that true? Yeah. And I'm not laughing. And the reason I'm not laughing is that... I'm, I'm laughing because I'm worried that you're going to launch into your fucking Mark Twain impression. It really put me into a tailspin about how I feel about Picard. And the man, not the show. Because this didn't surprise me at all. Like, it... Maybe the rewatch that we just did confirms what we've always known about him and this show hammers at home time and time again about how Picard is not a good friend and not a good family member like he's great because of the respect that he commands and other people other people love him and that's how we are taught to believe that that He's a good person, mm-hmm. but he's not a whole person at all. Like, he depends on Raffi during the resettlement mission and then just fucking throws her away and doesn't check up on her for 14 years. Yeah. He does the same thing with Elnor. Like, what? how much does a FaceTime cost, Ben? Evidently, more than what he's willing to spend from the vineyard. And when he goes to Riker and Troy's place, one thing I really noticed was, like, he and Soji are like 
rounding the hill and they see the house and Picard doesn't know how to describe them. He starts to describe them as coworkers and they have a picture of him. Yeah. Picard doesn't have a picture of anyone else. It's never the other way around. And like, like a big part of Picard's character is this tragedy. But what is the tragedy? It's that he never connects with the people around him. Who do we grieve for really when Picard dies? Like when he's on the ground again and he looks up at Raffi and he's he's like, you were right, is what he says to Raffi. What is he talking about? I think we grieve for Picard. I grieve for Picard in that moment because his life wasn't wasn't complete at all. But the idea of him being worth the love and admiration and respect that we've always given to him for years, for 30 years. <laughs> here's here's the dark the dark thing about this rant is that if you're a person of a certain age like I am, like you are, you watch this character grow, grow in quotes, but he ends up being a guy that people respect and admire for his career success. He is totally broken in every other way. And if you're someone who's our age and you see this as the embodiment of a kind of success, how many science fiction nerds are looking at this guy aspirationally thinking like, that's what I want to be? Is this why I don't feel emotions as deeply as I wish that I did? Because I see someone like this character with all the success that he has and the love that he receives from other people and, and, and is like, well, that's... That's what I'm going to try to be. That's that's good and noble. Like shut off this part of your life and concentrate on on work success or whatever. Right. Like did that did that make an entire generation of science fiction nerds or or Star Trek fans broken like him? I really wonder that. I don't know. I I see what you're saying and I think that it's a question entirely worth asking. I don't think that the impact of a single television show on an individual life can be as big as that like i've always admired the the lawyer picard the picard that believes in the ideals of freedom and justice and the american way or whatever mm -hmm. but use using a character like this to explore the other side of a life devoted to career above all other considerations is a valuable exploration. And I think, um, as I've lived my life, I've been able to like, look at, uh, different periods in my life from a new vantage point and see them in different ways, reevaluate them from new perspectives that, I think has has helped me grow as a person and I think that uh the idea that that would like the idea that we arrive perfect in the future is tempting but a little bit naive and I think that maybe the thing that drew me to Star Trek as a kid was the idea that life would be much easier in the future and the adventures much like larger of scale. And I think this is a show 
where you know we we see a character kind of reevaluating that stuff, re reassessing the choices he made, and and I also think that um, I'm I'm wondering if if that's leaping out to you in this moment because you've just moved to a new city, like you're like staying in touch with people is going to be a new yeah. project in your life. And as somebody who's like two and a half, three years into moving to a new city, moving away from all of my uh, close friends in New York, um, I, I fucking dug that stuff. It's been a it's been a constant struggle. Like despite how yeah. how interconnected we all are, how much I have access to people through social media or whatever. Like my my closest friends in New York are people that I talk to so much more seldomly than I used to, and it's kind of heartbreaking. And if I was of a slightly more career oriented bent or a slightly more like emotionally distant bent, I might not have spoken to any of them, you know, like I'm, I'm bad at that to begin with. And Picard is terrible at that. Like it's his character flaw is, is his inability to connect emotionally with his friends. Yeah. I think the rewatch really, really underscored that this time, like as great as the Nepenthe episode is and was and remains rewatching it this time was was so heartbreaking because god look at how much troy and Riker love him and look at how he can't even give their relationship a name when describing it to someone else yeah like it's the easiest thing to do and he can't even do that the greatest captain ever where'd you get that nonsense from you from me must have been drinking at the time one thing that i also noticed in the rewatch is there's a lot of name checking of characters from tng yeah and i don't think beverly gets name checked at all and Not at she, all. Is, she is his closest confidant in tng yeah one of the questions we got off of twitter was like how surprised were you that jordy was not in the show especially given what a large character he was in the book that we listen to yeah and in the comic book yeah i think if you have two more episodes of this show lavar burton's in this season yeah and probably directing one of the two episodes right i i really think this this should have been a 13 episode season i think it it is really unfortunate that it's only 10 i think i think if they'd had 13 they would have had time to solve some of the problems that we're talking about i think as soon as you feel like you are able to secure a Sir Patrick Stewart for your show, the question becomes how many episodes is your season? Yeah. And the answer is the maximum amount that Patrick Stewart will allow. Right. Like, I don't think you go in with 10 episodes as an offer. Yeah. You fucking car dealership Sir Patrick Stewart <laughs> and go like, well, how many episodes do you want to be in? Yeah. And then you work, you work around that number. I think... This is a really good 10-episode season, yeah. but this could have been a great 12-episode season. I think that's I think that's a fair point. Uh, I'm pouring out the last of my fourth can, Adam, and we are in we are in uh, in the downhill run here. I'm drinking after the gun, and it's because I owe you. <laughs> it's because I'm behind. 
Oh, you know, I had something that occurred to me about the last episode that I didn't I didn't grasp in my original watch of it. Mm-hmm. Which was uh we we questioned why does Riker get out of there so quickly? Yeah. Uh why like why is he so in such a hurry to leave? And uh, it is because he's escorting the Romulans out of Federation space. Excellent decision. In seven years of TNG, they never swore, asks <laughs> Stephen Alexander. What would they have sworn at if they could? <laughs> I think when you drive the ship through the wreckage at Wolf 359, I think that could be a good, uh, holy shit, yeah. kind, of, kind of moment. That would have been good. I think the episode with the packleds would have been fertile for a lot of swearing. Like in a you gotta be fucking kidding me kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> um Nagilam would have been fun to swear around. Like Nagilam sure. would have been like uh like use of expletives to to vent uh, uh social pressure. Right. <laughs> Nagilam would have made us feel bad for swearing from a we're such a small species standpoint, and, and I think sure. that would have been great. Nick asks, talk about Picard's heart. His artificial heart was such a big part of his character. Does he have a real heart now? All the pieces for this were set for the finale, but I'm still not sure how it's sitting with me. Hmm. I think this this is connected a little bit with my rant earlier. I wonder how attracted a writer's room is to making season two of Picard into a new lease on life kind of kind of character study in that he cheated death yeah he's alive again and he doesn't have the 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 ever-present danger that he had during the last years of his life is he going to are the parts of his life going to get a different meaning than they've had before and is that cheap heat like if picard is all of a sudden someone who values his friends and and family and yeah and wants to commit romantically to people is that still Jean-Luc Picard? Boy, in a post-Rona environment, I imagine that that would be a very tempting topic for a writer's room to explore. Yeah. So maybe more so than if this had been released under other circumstances, I think that is where they will go. Yeah. But... um I also think, um, oh, I'm very drunk. Oh, fuck, I'm very drunk. Leave this in, Rob. <laughs> You're doing great, Ben. I, I, God, I, I totally lost it. I, I lost the thread in my head, and it's embarrassing you, to me. You're the best in the business. Uh, the thing we know about second season is that Whoopi Goldberg is going to be on it. And also, like, like Q Continuum is a is a topic that comes up in an episode of this season. I'm kind of thinking a Delancey appearance is going to be a part of the next season. And I'm I'm wondering if it won't be a Q continuum themed season. Hmm. Like a like Picard and Guinan team up to destroy the Q continuum. <laughs> I really like the Raffi character a lot. I think she was one of the one of the best characters this season, but either from the book that we listened to or the season that we watched and rewatched, 
I still fail to understand her relationship to Picard and and her her love for him. Yeah. She feels like the biggest fan proxy. And this is not, believe me, like this is not on Michelle Hurd, who is awesome. Like she and the character she plays are are great, but this is this is a motivational question. Why does she love the destructive force in her life so much? Why does he tell her that she was right as his last words? Yeah. Picard's last words were those. Yeah, I mean, she's a real self-destructive character. And, uh... You know, you were right. I really should have hit that snake weed. <laughs> um, Adam, we are coming up on our final beer shot of these proceedings. I am way, way behind you, Ben. I'm just finishing up beer four. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I'm, and I owe you. I, I owe you big I'm time. I'm right in the middle of beer five, which is uh, which is right where I should be. But, you know, my mouth isn't as big as I thought, clearly. Cheers to you, my friend. And to you. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong... I've been looking at the wrong camera this entire time. Yeah, I'm over here. I'm camera two. Hey, buddy. How you doing <laughs> over there? I, I'm, I'm happy for the eye contact. What I should do is move my little video screen over to here, and that way I'll be looking in the right direction. That's what you should do. I should have been doing that the entire time. Well, that was our Power Hour episode. Adam's going to keep pounding brew dogs. I owe. That's why. You, you Commodore O. Um, do you think Commodore O will appear in season two? That's a question I have. I I hope she becomes the Tomalock. I hope she becomes the bugaboo to to Star Trek Picard. <laughs> like the thorn in his side. Yeah. Wouldn't that be right? That would be cool. You know what? And what she is more than anything is Cap is Kirsten Clancy's white whale. Like, who would be more motivated to get back at her than Clancy? They better bring Clancy back. Yeah. The great Ann Magnuson. Ann Magnuson, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Would be great to see her back. Um, okay. Uh, if you could have two TNG cast members, not Riker, not Troy, not Guinan, two TNG cast members in the next season, who would you want them to be? I think the question has two answers, and one of them is, who do you want to come back and who who would be right to come back? I think Jordy needs to come back. Yeah. I think he's 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 right. Yes. And I wonder whether or not, and you mentioned this earlier, whether or not Beverly Crusher is alive or dead. And in this universe, if she's alive, I've got... Here's the thing. Like, if Picard doesn't have a picture of Beverly Crusher in his vineyard study then how important is she to him and how important is anyone to him yeah i actually i read a variety article about the production of this show and uh, one thing that they said was that there was a a deleted scene from episode one where picard goes into his uh his beverly shrine which is a, mm. a small room in his chateau in la bar france it's a it's a wet shoebox <laughs> <laughs> this is the box where I 
shoot my ropes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's Beverly and it's Worf to me. Right. Where are the Klingons in Star Trek Picard? Yeah. Klingons hate Romulans. If you're going to take down uh, 218 warbirds, you're going to want some Klingon help, aren't you? Yeah. And uh, and you're going to want the former captain of the Enterprise, Worf. Are you secretly glad that you did not see the Enterprise in season one of Star Trek Picard? Yeah, I think that Enterprise porn would have been would have been the more cynical kind of fan service, whereas yeah. the the Troy Riker house was the was the kind of like catching yeah. up with characters who have lived their lives in between now and the last time we checked in on them that felt valid and like it honored what those characters meant and <laughs> and what those characters can mean. How close do you think they got to just a fleet of 218 enterprises? Yeah, like I, I thought about that because I... I was on Reddit today and I, w- I was on the Star Trek oh, sub no. and some- What is that like? Somebody had um, a video where they they just reimagined the fleet showing up scene in episode 10 as ships that we've seen before, essentially. Like they yeah. they'd, um, they'd downloaded a bunch of free Starship models off of 3D model websites- but the the Motley Crew type fleet that we talked about in our episode ten episode of the Greatest Discovery, and I just I have to say like the Motley Crewness of it was on point, but the not updatedness of it didn't work. Like I think that the thing that I loved about Wolf three five nine was it was like it was clear that. Starfleet brought like some of its mm-hmm. latest and greatest and some sh- ships that were like this is not this is not the ship that we would throw at a military encounter. Yeah, in- it's a fucking scout ship. Right. It's, it's it's a dinghy. Yeah. And like and I think that like I think that that scene has to have some cool new ships, but it also has to have some ships that are like wow, like that's that's from back in the day. You know, and back in the day for this series is TNG, but back in the day for TNG was TOS. And abandoning that was a mistake, I think. It's how much you value desperation in your storytelling, because the desperation is happening on the planet surface, you know, during during planned soccer ball. (laughs) But up in orbit, it's an even fight. And I wonder how much more you feel it if up in orbit it is, look, it can still be a freshly shaven Will Riker, but like he's cobbled together everything he could and he's got a couple of the best ships that Starfleet's ever made, but he's got a couple of hoods back there too. I'm, I'm looking for a Riker that is shaved, but also discreet and also 420 friendly. You know what kind of Riker I'm looking at? I'm look I'm looking for poker playing Riker who may be bluffing. Yeah. 
But like as much glee, like as much joy as I derived from the Riker that we got, like he knew that he had the upper hand. Yeah. And I think it might have been fun to have had him fake it. That's a fucking great point. That's maybe the best take I've heard on Star Trek Picard so far. Right. You want to see if we have any priority one messages, Adam? I'm betting we're going to have the best priority one messages we've ever had (laughs) on The Greatest Discovery. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first priority one message. It's of a personal nature. It's from... It's from Jeb. <laughs> the message goes like this to Ben, Adam Robs, Adam Ragusea, Bill Tilly, JJ Lendl, and all friends of DeSoto everywhere. Be safe. Be well. We'll get through this. I love you. Oh, man. Fuck. That's the er priority one message right now. That's the priority. From Jeff. Yeah. Jeff nailed it. Yeah. Nice job, Jeff. I, I hope you and yours are the same. Uh, we've got another priority one message here, and it is also of a personal nature. It's from Sam, who I believe is one of the best friends of DeSoto. <laughs> oh, I think I know what this is about. And it's to Jason G. Mm. And it goes like this. Jason, you're one of my best friends, and I love you so much. That Brian is dead to me! <laughs> and who is this Jean Mahoney? Oh, I know who John Mahoney is. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and I remember exactly where I was when what I learned changed everything. <laughs> I think I was right next to you when that happened, Adam. I think you and I were both right next to Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, one of the best friends of DeSoto. Uh, you know, while we're throwing around messages about uh, about being safe, being well, and and hoping we get through this, uh, gonna gonna reflect that back out to Sam and all of our friends out in DC. Yeah, and uh, and Sam's boyfriend Ben, who is an epidemiologist and and working very very hard right now. All epidemiologists should get like two years off after this. Yeah, just full pay. Full full benefits, two years off. Do yeah. whatever you want. That's that's one of the thrusts in my campaign for president. <laughs> uh, that's actually the only campaign promise that, that I'm willing to give. <laughs> Vote for me. All the epidemiologists get two years paid off. Well, if you'd like to vote for Adam or support The Greatest Discovery, you can head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message or 200 for a promotional message. And they're a great way to support Adam's campaign for president and our <laughs> dumb podcast. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from, what am I gonna have for dinner, to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. 
Head to Factormeals.com slash Trek50 and use the code Trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code Trek50 at Factormeals.com slash Trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to you. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below-the-kilt care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscapes.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, Ben, we're not going to do Edward Larkins this week because we have an announcement to make about the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. It's going to be our special awards episode. Yeah. We will have a number of categories. Yes. And awards given to uh, to both actors, characters, and moments in the season one of Star Trek Picard, uh, including maybe the the Ur Edward Larkin, the Edward Larkin of the entire season is is who will yeah. announce uh, in two weeks on the greatest discovery. It's gonna be a special. It's gonna be a very special episode. It's gonna be a very special episode. A lot of gold statues going out to the peeps. Um, a lot of people just happy to be nominated. Yeah, I I have a I I, I thought I'd read off a couple of the categories. Okay. That uh, that that we're gonna be giving out awards for. This is not gonna be a comprehensive list, but I'll I'll, I'll give you three. Okay. 
maybe you'll give a couple. I don't know. All right. We're going to be giving out awards in categories such as best holographic character. Oh, yeah. Worst computer menu. <laughs> and best alcoholic beverage. Oh, those are good categories. A few of the categories that, that I'm willing to share at this point. Biggest bombshell. <laughs> best hair. Wow. And best entrance. Those are just a few of the totality of categories yeah. that we will be awarding in the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. Several nominees in each category. And, uh, yeah. and you know, there will be there'll be envelopes. Uh, we've actually... Um, we're, we're, we're very proud to announce that we've partnered with PricewaterhouseCoopers to tabulate mm -hmm. the results. And there's going to be a guy with like a briefcase with a with a shackle who shouldn't be on TV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's going to be delivering the the results to us. It's it's going to be a total surprise to us as we open the envelopes. And uh and yeah, we're uh we're very excited to be announcing the Picard Awards next uh next episode of Greatest Discovery a couple of weeks from now. I love this. The award show. It's going to be great. Are we going to do like a pre-show where, where uh, you know, all, everybody shows up in their gowns and their tuxedos and we talk about what they're wearing? And You know what we should do is when we get on to the FaceTime for that show, we should be dressed up. I'm into it. You know I'm I into too. it. I am too. Let's do it. I'm, I'm going to be to the nines, my friend. To the nines! All of the friends of DeSoto out there are invited to dress up as they listen to the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. Uh, and until then, we will be tabulating the votes. Yep. And uh, for right now, we will throw it to Rob's. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Friend of DeSoto and YouTube sensation Adam Ragusia. The Greatest Discovery is made possible by the support of our listeners like you. Make sure the show continues by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. If you'd like to discuss the show online, please use the hashtag Greatest Discovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks, we'll see you on the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. What's that show that used to be on TV with the with the kids who dress up in the different colored uniforms and they're like kung fu fighters? What? <laughs> like, like, can I can I think of the name of that show? Rob's nose. This beer is not helping my articulation. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, and then one of them ended up being a murderer in real life. <laughs> Leave all I this cut in, all Rob. That out. <laughs> no, I want it all out. You will leave it out. Uh, Rob, you know you know which side of the bread your butter is on. Leave it in. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. 
Artist-owned, audience-supported.